Great Wednesday discussions of truth. Winwood Radio. This uh, uh, military industrial complex uh, war machine type attitude, uh, regardless, control both opposites to uh, um, to control the, the regardless of the outcome. You're you're uh, you're benefiting. Yeah, it's uh, you know Eisenhower, another president and military general like Washington. You know, he talked about the military-industrial complex. What he wanted to say, and most people don't know this, is the military-industrial-congressional complex. Mm. And right now, we have the military-industrial-congressional-intelligence-media complex, oh. and that's big. That's big. Now, and, you know, I've been here for 55 years now in Washington, and I've seen a lot of change. But the biggest change of all is the fact that we no longer have in any real sense a free media, and that's big. The fourth estate is dead. The only hope now is that people like you and others uh, in the uh, in the ether and on the internet can repair the damage and get people to start listening to people who know what they're talking about and not selling anything like war. And that would be former CIA agent, and he started writing daily briefs and handing them to Nixon. He spent three decades in D.C. CIA through the bushes. Ray McGovern. And you heard him say right here on Discussions of Truth on Winwood Radio. Ian, we no longer have any real sense of free state. What we have here is a military industrial and putting much emphasis on media, media complex. And this isn't lightweight, because I've also opened up the show with William Biney, or Binney. And he's a former high-level NSA agent urging Americans everywhere to stand up and act. And folks, do not divide That is, in my opinion, the tactic that those that govern, and that would be the bankers. Okay? Uh, You just heard Ray say selling, selling war. Okay? Those that govern pull your strings like a puppet on a monetary level. And they want you to be divided. Politically, don't do it, America. That is what I urge you to, unite. What a program coming your way today. Follow me on Twitter. As always, follow me on Instagram. That's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. I am your host, Discussions of Truth, every Wednesday, 5 o'clock on Winwood Radio. Bringing two guests your way, and momentarily... We'll be having, having a Canadian musician join us, as scheduled. And following him for the main segment will be U.S. Army whistleblower, PSYOPs, Scott Bennett, whistleblower, author, speaker, consultant. The name of his report to Congress was, is Shell Game. We'll get more from him as he joins us. 
But first, let me segue very quickly and mention to you that we'll be starting off the new year with Alex DeWall. He's got a degree from Oxford, currently teaching at Tufts. And he will speak to us about something called Operation Starvation and emphasis on his book, Mass Starvation, the history and future of famine. That is mass starvations to cause genocide that are politically engineered. Yes, it's a reality. And we'll be discussing that to open up the new year, January 2nd. This is the final broadcast of the year. And following that, on January 9th, we will be hosting Chief Scientist of NASA Langley Institute, Dennis Bushnell. He'll be addressing climate change. And now we've talked about climate change. Ken Caldera joined the program, Stanford Hoover Fellow. We've also had on Dane Wigington a couple times as he is running the website geoengineeringwatch.org. He's quite uh, concerned about the particles that are being emitted into the atmosphere. So joining the program word of mouth, we will have scientist Bushnell join us to discuss the urgency of climate change and also something called halophytes with emphasis on the, the, the Sahara Desert and all of this encompassing the need globally. In American, you must lead the way. And, and, and Canada, England, we all must lead the way, folks. Lessening ourselves on oil dependency. Thank you, Rockefellers. Okay? It's destroying the environment. It's destroying the planet. And we must lessen ourselves, Elon Musk. Okay, so I'm cutting to a quick break. And I will return with our first guest, and that will be Shaw. Right back at you momentarily. This is Discussions of Truth. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton. You're tuned in to Winwood Radio. 2001, when Haspel and her colleagues were devising these stupid, these enhanced interests. Good, man. Good, good, good. I'm on a break. Let me thread live, and uh, and I'll introduce you. We'll go from there for about 10 minutes.
Shout out the dollars I never had. Poor as shit, money shortage, shit, money shortage, but no shortage of resourcefulness. Because now wanted money, merit money, took the money to. And that is the sound of one rapper rising incredibly fast like a phoenix. Shaw joins the program, Winwood Radio. Shaw, how are you this afternoon? I'm great. Thanks for having me, brother. How you doing? Doing well in Miami. I understand you were down here on the beach a couple weeks ago for Art Basel. Is that correct? I was. I was. I had a great time in Miami. It was my first time staying on the mainland, and I really, really love Miami people staying on the beach, you know, you don't really get to have the sort of Miami experience, but it was great, a great time. Miami showed a lot of love. Did you find any art that you liked? I definitely found art that I loved. I mean, Basel, it's kind of, uh, there's a lot of art, so you could get overwhelmed or there could be sort of a watered down effect, but uh, I found lots of art that I loved. It was definitely the best stuff I saw in 2018. Now, Shaw, tell us, tell us why your music is becoming a phenomenon. Why are you rising so rapidly? That's a good question. I guess one of the reasons, especially sort of related to sort of what we can talk about today, yeah. is that there's like an authenticity. There's a, a direct truth. There's a realness to what I'm saying where... That, that contrasts what's happening these days, whereas a lot of rappers are out there saying things for clout or saying things just for attention. I'm really just telling my story. And it's a story that as long as rap has been around now, you know, it's decades old, sure. there's, there's still a, a segment of the population, especially sort of kids of immigrants or just people who are owning the fact that they never really fit into the mainstream um as a demographic, as, as, that's the audience that's been getting behind me yeah. that appreciates me just telling my story. Yeah, uh, awesome. So, and now you are uh, you are Canadian, is that correct? There you go. Born and raised Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And you reside? You still reside in Canada? Or are you are you down in Atlanta? Are you somewhere in the United States now? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm on the road a lot for shows. Yep. So, you know, touring is probably a good 50, 60 percent of the time. But then Atlanta is Atlanta's a city that got me going. Atlanta's what launched my career. And Atlanta is sort of the hip-hop mecca. It's the rap mecca. Yeah. So it's where I end up spending most of the time when I'm not on the road these days. So you bring up a good point. And I think, I think music across, uh, you know, across all genres, uh, it, it, it strives to really kind of lift from within. And, and, and certainly the genre of rap that you represent and that demographic resembles typically, even though there's, you know, like the Beastie Boys and things like that, but it's, it's typically going back to like the Sugar Hill Gang and some of these older uh, kind of pioneers of that movement. Uh, uh, represents the African American community and struggling, and then then we can also certainly relate it to to uh, Martin Luther King and 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 that kind of or, or what he overcame, and certainly he has a strong uh, strong presence in the South and and and, and look at it right there in Atlanta. But Shaw, what I want to talk about is certainly what you. Uh, what you sing about, and and that is trying to uplift your uplift your listeners, build them up, so that they can they can they can march together, unify, and build a better life for themselves. But ultimately, here it's all about building a better nation and a better world. Okay, and so what I'd like you to do for listeners is give a little bit of insight as to. What we tackle here on Discussion is Truth is corruption, and, and we, we, we don't limit it to one specific industry or area, but because you represent the music industry, I'd like listeners to understand a little bit more about corruption from what you face and the grind that you face uh, on a daily basis to make a name for yourself. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I can get into that. And now it's sort of interesting to hear you frame the question because within the music industry, we just accept corruption as part of sort of the cost of doing business. And now myself as an artist who's avoided labels, um, partially for the reason of avoiding dirty money and avoiding corruption and not, not only for that reason, but it's sort of, it's still something that you just accept as part of the business. So as part of what we do. So now to hear you say that it's sort of refreshing almost to allow myself to, uh, explain it. So now in explaining it, I guess you can look at it as at, at two sort of layers. There's the modern day, current day corruption and exploitation in the music industry and specifically in rap, which there's like an, there's a broad entertainment industry wide corruption, which I guess I won't get into that one, but specifically in rap modern day. And then I guess you can look at the more historical context where, which I can't speak on from experience. So I'll just briefly touch on that, which is at one point, maybe, maybe the late eighties, early nineties, when rap was offering a positive voice and uplifting voice for its audience, for, for listeners, which, you know, included inner city black population, but just audiences in general, anyone who sort of like was seeking yeah. belonging or, or sure. anyone who could, uh, you know, benefit from a positive message there. I think there was a intentionally sort of, um, there, there was an, intentional misguiding of a positive message that took place at a corporate level. And I think that was intentional because this is still back in the day of gatekeepers and people like A&Rs and record labels having a relatively large amount of influence and in being able to make or break careers, deciding to body, deciding to sort of avoid careers and rappers who had that positive uplifting message. And that's something that, that rappers and sort of, you know, um, that, that's something that's been complained about a lot over the years. Yeah. And that's the, that's the historical corruption where it's like rappers with a positive message needed to sort of fight for scraps, do it on their own in an era where, you know, it was like sort of like the, the, the legacy music industry era where you needed the cosign of labels and rapper uh, and A&Rs and that sort of thing. Yeah, now, I think. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things as as certainly as as human beings, right? What we want is we want we want organic truth. We want it. We want we want to keep it real. Give 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 it give the information straight. And many times, what happens, and certainly the kind of use the term I believe that it was commonly used in the music industry is that an artist grows in popularity because their listener can identify with the struggle they represent and the lyrics that that that, that, that they portray. And and they come out of their mouth, and then what happens is that the carrot gets tangled, gets tangled, and boom, the big check follows, and oh, they become a sellout. But you know what? What what I think that what I think that we want to aim at here is, hey, dig for the truth, dig for any corruption. So so can you can you put yourself out on the line right now and say, hey, look, you know. This particular artist or this particular group is is, is certainly run down a, a a nasty, twisted road of corruption. Is there anything out? Is there anybody out there right now where you can say yes? They definitely represent that road, which is corrupt. 
Uh, I think that there's some there's some easy examples when you if you look at like a Suge Knight who's like who's serving time right now, and then you you look at like you know the the deaths and the destruction that took place around him. You can definitely pinpoint people like that from the historical context. And then right now, there's only sort of I guess three major labels right now, and you could. You could argue that yeah. all three, and I would say yeah. that all three of them, yeah. at at some level, and, and and to the level where I have decided to avoid interacting with them, to the to, you know to the detriment of of mass exposure, um, because of uh, sort of the manipulation wow. of art yeah. in order to um, in, it, it, for popularity. Now in rap music, the specific. I guess truth I can give you that sort of exposing information that might not be known generally is that the come up from rapper who's trying to make it, the, the aspiring rapper, the guy who maybe ten years ago was trying to hustle his mixtape on the streets. Today, today that looks a bit different. They're just putting their music out on the internet. Okay. To to a rapper who's succeeding. So to someone who maybe is where I was maybe a year ago where, okay, the money's starting to come in. If you just keep doing what you're doing, you'll be able to make a career out of it. That transition costs, generally it costs money because what you need to do is get exposure to fans who then start supporting you. And you can do it through hard work. Like I'm, I'm an anomaly in that I was able to do it through hard work and I lucked out in getting the support of people who didn't screw me over. But yeah. that costs money. And in rap music, and especially in Atlanta and, 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 uh, and broadly, that's drug money. So it's money coming from the streets. Either it's the rapper themselves or it's their sort of you know dope boy co-sign or whoever it is. It's generally street money that is being used, that's sort of being laundered through the artist. And now as an art, even though that was not really my come up as an artist, I look at other artists where this is happening to them and, you know, and I feel for them because at a very sort of fundamental level, the artist's success, which obviously they want is through popularity and through exposure, which like I just said, it generally is going to cost money. So now you have this street money that needs to be laundered somehow, and the artist is the part is the prime sort of you know victim or the prime yeah is the prime sort of cleaner. And now and now you have the labels that are happy to have that money go through the like be laundered but by the artist to pay for studio time, to pay for promotions, to pay for marketing, whatever it is. So that is a specific truth that's pretty widespread it's one of these things that like i said at the beginning of the call we just accept it that's just what it is we know this is dirty money but it's the artist now who because of a lack of options is being you know being exploited and now sometimes it's knowingly because there's no other option it's not like you can go to school to be a rapper and understand that this is the path you can take so when 99 percent of Rappers who've succeeded have done it this way. It just seems like, you know, that's the lane that you're limited to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Shaw, we are out of time. I would want, I would like you to please give listeners some last words. What might be in the mix? Give them an appetite of what they might be expecting from you in the in the in the uh, in this in this new year. Absolutely, absolutely. 
my music videos was the thing that first got me popping after my release. We're going to be putting out some new visuals. Um, so you can check me out on YouTube. Instagram is where I generally keep most active. All my social media is Day of Shah. I'm Shah, S-H-A-H. All the social media is D-A-Y-O-F-S-H-A-H. And it was great talking with you. I love what you're doing. I think this fight for corruption, I fight against corruption and exposing corruption and exposing sort of things where the underdog and the normal human being in our society is being subject to things that are not fair. I think it's great what you're doing. So we need more of you and we need you to do more. So thank you for that. Thank you for this platform that you created. Excellent. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Shaw. Shaw, we'll be back in touch. Look forward to, uh, to reaching out back out to you. 100%, man. And I will be right back with our next guest, which happens to be Dr. Scott Bennett. Little Metallica, your way. Que se vaya, déjala, no te quedes quieta, deja que 
And that is the sound of Shaw, who we just hosted on the program, but we now transition to Scott Bennett, a U.S. Army Special Operations Officer, 11th Psychological Operations Battalion. Scott, can you hear me? I hear you good, Ari. Ian, go ahead. You're sounding fine. Fantastic. Now, Scott, tell us a little bit about Shell Game. What exactly is that? Well, Shell Game, I think, is honestly going to be the next major uh, indictment of Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, Lanny Brewer, uh, members of the Obama administration, uh, Swiss bankers from Union Bank of Switzerland, Eric Holder, I mean, uh, uh, James Comey. Uh, all of this uh, is a story that was originally a military whistleblowing report that I submitted after being debriefed by Brad Birkenfeld who had been pursued by Edward Snowden, who was a CIA asset in Geneva uh, a few years before. So Edward Snowden and the CIA had pursued Ab Brad Birkenfeld, who was a Swiss banker, American Swiss banker, who had a lot of deep uh, money, and uh, Brad had come over to the United States after the CIA had pursued him and tried to give a lot of the secret Swiss bank accounts that terrorists were using and offshore accounts were using. It later became morphed into the Panama Papers, and uh, Brad Birkenfeld brought it over, and Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer and Obama and Senator Carl Levin all conspired uh, to imprison this whistleblower and bury his 19,000 bank accounts. And those 19,000 bank accounts were confiscated, uh, like 15,000 of them, uh, to a large degree, uh, by Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder and Lanny Brewer. And these Swiss bank accounts were also used by Abdullah Aziz and other Saudi and Qatari and Middle Eastern terrorist financiers. And when Brad debriefed me, I wrote it up in a report and sent it to members of Congress, sent it to the Intelligence Committee, the Armed Services Committee, the Oversight Committees, the Foreign uh, Affairs Committee, the Homeland Security Committee, as well as U.S. Central Command when General James Mattis was working there, as well as my... Uh, Civil Affairs Psychological Operations Command, as well as numerous senators and congressmen. So I've sent it to President Trump. I even gave it to Michael Cohen and had conversations with Michael Cohen about it and videotaped and recorded those conversations. So that may explain one of the reasons that they went after Michael Cohen because Shell Game really is before Uranium One. Shell Game is the greatest crime because it shows Hillary Clinton at her zenith of wickedness and insanity in uh, facilitating uh, the financing of ISIS and, Di and Daesh that went rampant from Libya to Syria. Uh, operations is also in Ukraine. Uh, all of this was uh, in 2008-2009 and I was firsthand uh, there. I worked at the State Department counterterrorism office as well as uh, different areas of the military and, and defense contracting. And when I started reporting all of this I had been thrown into a prison for, for uh, making a paperwork error on a housing form, which is the most ridiculous charge you could imagine. But then again, that same charge is what they used against Michael Flynn, 18100-1. Uh, so all of this stuff is coming out now, and I've been writing books about it and giving lectures about it and uh, speeches, and all videos and all materials are available for cost where people can go to shellgamewhistleblower.com and they can get uh, all of the books and reports, shellgamewhistleblower.com, 
or they can go to lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. Amazon hijacked the book and sells it twice the price Interesting. as uh, the CIA usually does. So I always tell people, go to the website, shellgamewhistleblower.com to get it. So hope, hopefully that summarizes it up. Yeah, that, <laughs> there's a lot, excuse me, there's a lot of meat in there, Scott. Uh, you've worked at the highest levels of international counterterrorism in D.C. and also McDill Air Force Base, and you served under the G.W. Bush administration from 2003 to 08. When was it along your career? Uh, where you realized now, now you know you, you, you we're obviously going to get into probably booze Allen Hamilton here, and you already mentioned uh, Snowden. But where was it along your career, Scott, that you realized as you were serving your country very faithfully that there was something very funky going on? Well, I didn't realize 9/11 uh, was a false flag attack until I was thrown in prison, and I had men around me bringing me the paperwork and giving me the educational materials that opened my eyes. So I had drunk the Kool-Aid. I had been part of the victimization of the American military to think that uh, an airplane had crashed into the Pentagon, and uh, even though there was no plane ever found, and I drove by the Pentagon the next day. And uh, I, I'm sort of a living testament to the trauma that it was experienced psychically that uh, was 9-11 was and that was used to usher in these wars. So in, in prison, I, I really saw the 9-11 issue. But in the military, when I was at U.S. Central Command in the State Department as well, I saw the whole treating of the war on terror like an endless job uh, career development path and contractors and my boss was Dove Zakheim and and all of the financial shenanigans that he was doing and Booz Allen Hamilton was doing I saw this as a a, a very great waste and uh, obviously not a war that was very serious because they were just using 9-11 as, as an excuse to uh, go to different ranks assign themselves different positions in the military and it, it was very uh, careless so I, I came to realize a lot of this later, much later, even though I had worked with a top secret clearance at some of the highest levels in the in the military and the intelligence sectors and the uh, federal government, specifically under the Bush administration. I had been at Heritage Foundation. Dove Zakheim, my boss, had been at Heritage. Dove Zakheim was the comptroller at the Pentagon when $2.3 trillion was stolen. His son, Roger Zakheim, uh, also worked at the House Armed Services Committee and then worked for the law firm that I exposed, Covington and Burling. So the deep state tentacles, the deep state corruption is there. Covington and Burling is the great uh, deep state law firm that runs a lot of these operations. And ironically, Covington and Burling is the law firm that represents Michael Flynn. Maybe that explains why Michael Flynn has been treated like such a mongoloid retard that he has made all the wrong choices in his, in his legal uh, battle because he's got an enemy as his lawyer. And I briefed Larry Klayman about this, too. So there's a lot of people that know this, and sadly the American people don't, but luckily they've got you, Ian, to, to uh, kind of remind them and jog their memory and have people talk about this. Because this isn't going away. This is going to explode, I think, in the coming years, and Donald Trump is the president to do it. Yeah, so, okay, Scott, uh, let's take 9-11, and then, I, and then I would like you to explain how you ended up in prison, what this housing uh, issue was. Describe that. But when, so you, so you drove by the Pentagon the day after. There was no plane. There, and, and you're, 9-11 hits, and the, the, the towers go down. What was your first impression? 
Well, the, the, the first impression of the event on the day, of course, was shock and awe, as they intended. But uh, much, much later, when you take the time to read the materials like James Fetzer's book and uh, Susan Lindauer and yeah. uh, Richard Gage and Alan Zabrowski and Barbara Honiger, you begin to complement your mind with scientific analysis and the laws of physics and, and engineering and all of these uh, mathematical modules that were constructed to re-examine 9-11, you come to the fact that all of this is coming from the American people. These are citizen patriots that are putting together their best professional analysis right. of 9-11. It is not the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's not the military. It's not the White House. It's not the Congress. It's not the very institutions that the American people pay taxes right. to to define their, defend their rights in their constitution. So we're in a state of civil war if the government institutions right. are lying to the people that gave it life. This is Frankenstein gone amok. And that's where the American people leaders are standing up recognizing this, and they are pushing back and pushing back hard. I think that's one of the reasons that the deep state has been on this panic mode. Uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and Andrew McCabe and and James Colmy and Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller will be lucky if he's not hung by his neck by piano wire and burned alive at the same time and made go through a thousand deaths because he was responsible for confiscating the video evidence of the, the Pentagon attack, and uh, he worked hand-in-glove with a lot of the other criminals, such as Michael Chertoff and the uh, five dancing Israelis that were shipped back to Israel, the Mossad agents. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Uh, the criminal conspiracy and, and uh, uh, the, the, the corruption that's occurred. But I, I came to the realization much later, and it's like transitioning from black and white to color in that film Pleasantville. Oh. It's like having this exiting of the Matrix technology when Keanu Reeves vomits out the pink slime and unhooks the electronic uh, pipes sticking into his back and looks down for the first time and realizes he is in a different existence than what he beheld previously. Yeah. And that's where all Americans need to recognize, as they understand 9-11, as they understand the, the deep state uh, uh, corruptions and all of these things that have happened over 18 years, this is going to be so traumatic for a lot of them. They are going to puke. They are going to faint. They are going to fall backwards. They are going to be struck to their bones, and it's going to be a process of time. It's going to take time for them to digest it and understand it. But in that vomiting out of the lies and in the digestion of the truth, they will have a metamorphosis. They will have a transformation. They will have a new discovery of their character and their life uh, that, that, that they've ever had. And, and that's what change and that's what conflict does. And that's what 9-11 is. It is a combination of, of uh, change and conflict. And we're fighting to get back to the world before 9-11, where we owned our right. government and we owned our own peace and time. We are not accepting the world as it exists now. Yeah, and I, and I, like, to, I like to refer to, uh, we can say prior to JFK, because I think after, after, after he yeah. was taken out, that's when, that's when the real tentacles started. Right. Uh, started. But, but if we go back further, we can say Woodrow Wilson, because that 1913 Federal Reserve Act is, is where I kind of draw the sure. line. Sure. No, I think you're right. Your historical facts are accurate. This goes back even longer. 
people have different digestive capabilities, of course, and their their lack of historical education can can limit them in what they can understand and, and are willing to see. But you could go back, uh, you know, over a hundred years, and you right. could see the the transition and the and the the degradation of America and society. It really started uh, after the Civil War, and Lincoln and the banks and Lincoln's assassination, starting from that, the the change of the Constitution, so you have a total hijacking of law. No longer is it common law. Now it's this corporate law, right. maritime hybrid perversion. The you know things, uh, taxation and your your right to uh, uh, really be your own lawyer and the the bar association, all of that, and the the demand for lawyers to be credentialed and licensed, all of that was a false lie. Then you go into the major conflicts of World War One and Two, uh, and the military industrial complex of the Korean War and the Vietnam War. And my father fought in Vietnam as a Marine officer, and he saw a lot of this up close and personal. Uh, we've we've seen it uh, throughout the century, and most insidiously, Ian, we see in America right now. A a uh, a degradation of our identity and our knowledge of sexuality, of history, and of spirituality. Those three things form human identity. And in America today, sexuality is being attacked. You've got boys being shamed for being boys, being young men. You've got this hermaphroditic transgender agenda to try and uh, redefine uh, boys and girls, outlaw affection. Uh, this Me Too movement. This feminist masquerade tyranny uh, that is trying to outlaw things like baby it's cold outside all of these things are interconnected in, in history and spirituality being divorced in the in the fog of evolution the American church losing all of its real alpha male leadership that traditionally stood up for moral standards and challenged uh, the country and the people the church in America has lost all of its uh, testicular fortitude and is good for nothing but to be trodden under foot of men. It has lost its salt and savor. That's the most dangerous thing we face is a, is a population of uh, weaklings and idiots and vaccinated uh, halfwits that are, that are also uh, completely uh, intoxicated with this notion of world domination. We're the leader of the world. Because we have country western hats and country songs and sing, can sing proud to be an American, somehow that justifies us going around destroying Libya and Syria and the rest of the world and picking fights with Russia? I don't think so. I was very glad to see Trump has, has said today that he's pulling troops out of Syria. I hope and pray he does. Because we cannot survive another decade of this endless war or we're not going to be a country. And anybody that keeps pushing us in that direction does not want us to be a country. They want us to be a smoldering ruin of uh, vets and hospitals, broken families, and a crippled, uh, bankrupt economy. Brainwashed sheeple is, is one way I think many people would, would, would phrase that. Uh, Scott, you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, is that correct? Yeah. Are you familiar with a former Stanford Hoover fellow, I frequently mention his name, Anthony Sutton, I haven't met him personally. It rings a bell. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like to always go back to Sutton because he's kind of the, the nexus of what I base my digging on, and, 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 and he was reprimanded for 
revealing certain things about the Vietnam War and, and even the uh, World War II. Um, and, 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 and when he returned to Palo Alto, they, they basically kicked him out. But, but what, he, what he talks about is something that, and it's kind of like you're saying, look, I mean, I mean this, is, this, is, this, is, uh, this is very rough for Americans to digest, even if they even try to digest a, a small mars- morsel of it. And then if we go back decades and decades and decades, then it just becomes completely overwhelming. But what Sutton gets at is something called a Hegelian dialectic. You're familiar yeah. with that term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you see that applying, if you do see it, applying to your research in the revelation of what you've discovered in the deep state? Well, I always come back to the simplest, the simplest uh, problems and the simplest solutions as, as I can. Coming back to first principles, um, and and the you know the the easiest and the fastest and most direct way to f- solve these things and understand them is is uh, what is going to work because that's the simplest for the mass of Americans to understand. You want you don't you want fifty percent plus one, but it's better if you have eighty five percent on your side. And uh, that being said, the 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 problem and the solution is uh, the yin and yang of this is. Law creates culture. Culture creates life. Law is the firewall that uh, allows the expression of the imagination to manifest. Uh, And the manifestations of the human imagination is the substance of culture. So law is everything. And uh, we have allowed laws to be uh, challenged and erased, laws to be created, and that includes everything, policies, CFR, but laws and the interpretation of laws that have allowed the manifestation of a sick, perverted, corrupt culture, which has led us to this sheeple state, as you wisely observe, which allowed the, the 9-11 attack to come in. Yeah. So yeah. laws have, have weakened and bled and softened the American landscape. And you can look at everything. In the, and you look at, and I worked at the Heritage Foundation. We studied all of the anthropological social science data relating the family, marriage, the correlation between healthy families, marriage, children, religious institutions, to government, to to all the variables of, of a healthy society. And the sexual dimension has been attacked by law since 1950, if you will. And people who aren't into this study may not understand it, but you can very quickly go through history and you can see, okay, laws pertaining to sexuality were changed in the following ways. Uh, pornography was allowed. Pornography had a corrosive effect on courtship, on romantic uh, uh, bonding of marriage, of family, and uh, therefore children. And you have dysfunctional broken children as a result of the laws that affected uh, pornography, divorce, uh, cohabitation. Cohabitation was never allowed prior to the 1950s. Uh, Abortion was never allowed. Homosexuality wasn't allowed. You certainly didn't teach it. All of these things have taken decades to boil the frog slowly, but sexuality was the bullseye that they were aiming at disrupting. And there's a lot of good books and materials on there about, uh, you know, the whole vogue, cosmopolitan influence of women, uh, trying to persuade women to, uh, you know, sleep around, have abortions, drink martinis, work at an advertising agency, and that's, that's the fulfillment of life. 
all of that was fantasy. Those were not real stories. They were fictional stories depicting fictional people that were pretended to be real. So that influenced the Supreme Court nominee decisions later on, too, regarding uh, Roe versus Wade. Never mind women getting the vote in the beginning. And I don't say women getting the vote uh, in any way uh, is, is uh, a, an attack on women. I say women were, were, were hurt and weakened and damaged as a result of beta men forcing them, telling them they needed to get the vote because it divorced them from their family, from their husband. It broke and, and drove a wedge between the family. It drove a wedge between the formation of a family. So, And professors of mine have said that too. Women were worse off after they got the vote than before. So, And you see that in, in the making of, again, the nanny state laws and things like uh, all of this that were traditionally handled by the faith-based groups, the faith-based institutions, by the, the, the social institutions, whether it was you know, uh, plumbers unions or other groups, they all took care of themselves. Once you start changing laws to be a nanny state, then you turn everybody into nannies. And that's what we've done over the last hundred years, since 1900, if you will. So the growth of government has been proportional to the, the weakening and the introduction of destructive laws, and that those laws have created a culture, allowed the creation of culture, that have, have ruined and destroyed society. Now, in countries where they don't have these laws, uh, they are a much more robust, stronger, independent society. And you can see that, for example, on uh, Russia and uh, former Soviet Union countries that do not embrace gay marriage. They, they look at it as a violation of their Christian Orthodox beliefs and their culture. And uh, that was one of the reasons why Yanukovych was taken out of Ukraine by Obama. That's one of the reasons that they imprisoned me, because I wrote a report about changing the American military's laws on homosexuality would have a very negative effect on our allies, on our soldiers, and would damage the military. One month after I wrote that report and sent it to the Pentagon, I was indicted by the Obama administration after I was given warning that they wanted me to retract it, and I refused to, and they indicted me after that. So the, the attacking of the sexual culture in America through legal means has been the source of the destruction of America, but it's also the catharsis because getting back to raw manhood, that means nothing about wearing bear skins and killing wolves and eating deer, but raw manhood where you are a servant, you are a priest, you're a warrior, you're a father, you're a husband, uh, and, and uh, recognizing the raw masculine instincts of work and truth-telling and recognizing the difference differences mentally, emotionally, intellectually, physically between men and women, recognizing those differences and preserving them and preserving yourself uh, and, and rejecting political correctness and all of this nonsense that pervades our society, that's the first step in healing and cleansing our society. There's, 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 there's a, 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 a neutral, perhaps, engine that might be, uh, might be running this, and there, and we might you know there's certainly the Union Bank of, of Switzerland comes comes to play regarding financing some of these some of these campaigns. If if America has has strayed away from its moral and ethical identity, is is it possible that it's done that organically? And if not organically, has it been manipulated? And if it's been manipulated or puppeteered, who's done that? Well, uh, you can look at the bankers going back in history of, of being on both sides of a war from the Civil War 
to uh, World War II as well. Uh, the, the banking uh, domination of money and the, the money flows and the money system is what Kissinger and uh, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and all of these organizations have been obsessed with doing. That's one of the reasons that they attack Syria, Libya, and Iran yeah. uh, and Russia is because they're outside of the monetary system as North Korea is as well. But uh, that, that's that been the, the, the real agenda is to dominate the monetary systems. And I think the banks are uh, feeling the impact of this. Again, the pendulum is, is uh, shifting back because the, the, the people in the world, and you look at France right now, France is in a civil war. Uh, the Yellow Jacket Revolution is not right. going to disappear. They're going to probably kill uh, Macron or throw him out of office if he's lucky, but he's, he's a dead man walking. I think Netanyahu is also a dead man walking because he's been trying his best uh, since 2000. Uh, and uh, two, I think it was, when he started going to the Pentagon or going to the Congress trying to tell us to go to war against Iraq, uh, these Zionist elements that have been pursuing this use the American military to fight Israel's wars. But we're done with all of that because we recognize now, again, 9-11 was a false flag attack. Israel and the Mossad and uh, Saudi Arabia and the U.S. CIA have played a part in that. Uh, the American people are no longer going to be sacrificing their grandchildren now to be fighting an endless war in Afghanistan, right. God forbid Syria, God forbid Iraq or Iran, but these have been part of the banking system's push, and Britain has been a big party of that. But I think Europe and the European Union, we're going to witness a withering and a breakup. The uh, countries of Europe are going to break up because of the refugees that have come in, and that really was, I think, part of the Soros and the big banker agenda is to try and flood Europe and flood America with these third world migrants and uh, semi-retarded people to uh, make the populations all the more uh, malleable. But they didn't realize that uh, when you push someone to the edge of a cliff, they're going to fight back and die fighting rather than jump that cliff. That's, right. that's what they're seeing in France. That's what they've seen in America. And I, I think that's going to that's gonna, uh, spread like wildfire and get bigger and stronger. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very well said, Scott. Have you uh, have you personally spoken to uh, Donald Trump about this? Well, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't share too much about who I've talked with because there's all sorts of bad guys that listen in on this. But uh, the, the, you know, the president and and key people uh, are aware. One of the the best leaders, I think, is Senator Dick Black. Senator Dick Black of Virginia is is one of the key conservatives that has been debriefing. Uh, various people uh, in Washington about the realities of Syria, the Saudi Arabian role in this terrorist uh, war. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's been good too, but the president, I'm sure, uh, has all of the best people in plate and uh, pawns in uh, in his uh, arsenal. And I think we're going to witness in 2019 a lot of the uh, prosecutions and uh, corrections that people have voted for him and have been waiting for. He's just been fighting this deep state assault on him, but they've uh, they've run out of gas. There's no more arguments that they, that they can make. And the American people, I think, have required this two years to come up to speed. They're they're finally catching up to the to the betrayal and treason that the media and uh, these Democrats and deep state operatives uh, represent. Scott, we've got a few minutes left, and I want to quickly get into your knowledge of clinton and that regime because it would in my opinion most definitely 
resemble both Bill and Hillary. But well, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton will stand tri- stand trial for the charges of terrorist financing and aiding and abetting terrorists and treason, because when she was State Department secretary, and I was at the State Department. When she was when she was secretary of the State Department, she made these conspiratorial deals that involved uh, sending Chinese Ugar terrorists out of Guantanamo Bay to Switzerland in exchange for Switzerland granting the ownership of in transfer of uh, nineteen thousand Swiss banks into Ju- U.S. Uh, Department of Justice De- uh, Department of Treasury uh, custodianship. And uh, Eric Holder, Lanny Brewer, Loretta Lynch, and Stuart Eisenstadt of Covington and Burling worked with Hillary Clinton on setting all of this Swiss bank transfer of money and uh, the imprisonment of Brad Birkenfeld, the whistleblower who had brought this over. And uh, Brad Birkenfeld had WikiLeaks cables sent to him that showed, the ver- and this is back in 2008, 2009, that showed Hillary Clinton's uh, emails and State Department cables around Union Bank of Switzerland, and uh, this this whole shell game of terrorist financing. Subsequently, uh, uh, those WikiLeaks cables uh, that were also on her email server were part of those she's destroyed. So we've briefed Tom Fitton and Chris Farrell. We've briefed members of Congress. We've briefed people like Congressman Mark Desaulnier. We've briefed uh, numerous people about this reality, and Clinton... I think is uh, ultimately going to be charged, as well as Diane Feinstein, because Diane Feinstein and Senator Bill Nelson uh, examined my report and did absolutely nothing and hid it. And that hiding of actionable intelligence that could have saved the lives of American military and stopped the financing of terrorism, uh, and, and had that been acted on in 2012 when I submitted it, uh, you wouldn't have ISIS in Libya. But unfortunately, that was Obama's agenda, and Michael Flynn. Uh, has also corroborated that. And James Mattis at U.S. Central Command, who I gave my report to as well, uh, is also aware of this. So there's a lot of people that know about this, and I think it's going to be the next big story. Fox News has also been made aware, but uh, for whatever reason, they're very timid in how they handle it. Sure. Uh, Scott, how do you define personally, how do you, with you, your knowledge, how do you define the deep state? Well, I think it's an entrenched bureaucracy of a cat of opportunists that uh, feed like parasites off of taxpayer dollars from circles of military-industrial complex uh, employees, defense contractor employees, and really the the pinnacle is the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, the ATF, uh, all all of the agencies that are empowered to carry guns, kick down your door and arrest you and throw you in prison. That really is the heart of the deep state uh, and that's what needs to be uh, disintegrated and uh, cleansed from the top down and we see that in this these manifestations against Trump uh, that that really is where the buck stops is the bureaucracy but of course Trump can 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 uh, create an inspector general czar in the White House that can work with every inspector general around the country in every agency and those inspector generals can uh, accumulate uh, evidence of waste, fraud, and abuse and fire everyone that's associated with it and prosecute them simultaneously uh, with the Department of Justice and and, uh, appoint counsel to do that. So Trump can clean up the deep state through a inspector general uh, czar 
that uses the inspector generals or fires them, but uses the inspector generals to uh, examine uh, the, the deep corruption. And he needs to have a Praetorian Guard within the military, specifically the Marine Corps, that uh, is his uh, close protectors, because he's got a lot of bad people, I think, around him that uh, he perhaps has for uh, cosmetic purposes, but people like John Bolton are enemies of the people of the United States. There's nothing redeeming about John Bolton. He's got a cleft lip, uh, and he is uh, in, in serious hatred of himself and God and, and humanity, and that's why he manifests that hatred and these violent, militant, world-dominating uh, policies and agendas. It's all rooted in John Bolton's physical deformity. Interesting. Scott, what is the best foot forward for listeners? How can listeners make a change? Well, I always encourage them to pray and uh, uh, create teams around where they live, in their churches or in their social groups or wherever, but they have to seek out like-minded people and uh, share the materials. And one of the materials that they can share is Shell Game. Shell Game is like a sledgehammer that they can swing in any direction and everyone's going to move back or fall back or knock, have their guts knocked out of them because Shell Game is an accumulation of uh, unclassified documents and intelligence materials that prove one of the greatest corruptions and betrayals and act of treason and fear by uh, everyone in the Obama administration and in the Congress and in the military and in the media. So I encourage people to get Shell Game and read it and share it and you will never be the same again because it's not me telling the story it's me sharing with individuals here's what I saw and here's all the paperwork to prove it and they will never be the same again and, and they'll be better because it gives you a strength and it inoculates you from the false flag attacks and brainwashing that are going to be continuing on America we, we see it all the time everywhere from uh, these false shootings and and uh, things like that, and of course 9/11, the greatest one. So, have people go to shellgamewhistleblower.com and they can get the book materials up there. Absolutely incredible! You got some really strong punches delivered here, uh, Scott. Some final words for listeners. You know, God is everything to me, and I think He's the only hope for America. And people, however they define themselves, need to define. Uh, you know, God is is the source of our hope and uh, however you move forward do it with uh, a sense of fighting for your your home your property your kids your family your future because we are we are no longer in a position where we can be passive so yeah. people have to be armed with truth and they have to be passionate and they have to be confident and and God gives me great confidence and and uh, no weapon formed against you shall prosper God says so I take him at his word Absolutely incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Bennett. Scott, thank you for joining Discussions of Truth when we're radio. We'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Scott Bennett, some very, very strong hits, folks. Army PSYOP. Okay. Dr. Scott Bennett has spent many years in U.S. government, around top leaders, U.S. Army Special Operations Officer, 11th Psychological Operations Battalion, Civil Affairs, Psychological Operations Command, and a global psychological warfare counterterrorism analyst. And this is very key. Formerly with defense contractor, 
Booz Allen Hamilton. And he's leading all of these fishy lines that he's uncovered. A la Edward Snowden. Censorship right on you and your very constitutional rights if you're an American. And those you should be seeking otherwise. And let's not let's not like get better get beside ourselves. We've got basic human rights, folks. We're all human beings. All right. But the bottom line here, well, one of the bottom lines, is certainly these threads running very smoothly and swiftly through the Union Bank of Switzerland. Okay. Shogun. Get it. I will be right back with some closing comments and final words and uh, a little more Shaw for you. Shoddy with God. That's Shaw. Toronto-based rapper. Bringing you the truth through his eyes and what you need to know. As far as he's concerned. And he seems like an incredible human being from all outward appearances. And we're grateful that he joined Discussions of Truth. You know, the, the arts and the Appreciation thereof and music, regardless of the genre, jazz, classical, Mozart, country, that is art in itself. But each year, Miami receives Art Basel, Basel, Switzerland. Yes, the Bank of International Settlements. Uh, I'll avoid that for the moment. And there's another fair in Hong Kong. So those three fairs. So Miami brings in about 100,000 folks to enjoy the various artists' work around the world at, at Art Basel. So we are thankful for Shaw for joining the program. This is dayone.com. This is his website. And show game, Dr. Scott Bennett, for joining the program with some very 
very high heat there. Delivering some very high heat, deep state psyop. Didn't get too much into the psyop angle of things with him today, but looking forward to inviting Scott back on the program. And as I mentioned previously, happy Hanukkah to you. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever it may be, however you enjoy celebrating your holidays and your time of um, praise. May they be very merry for you. I'll be back here in two times, or excuse me, two weeks time. Opening up 2019, January 2nd, with PhD in social anthropology from Oxford University, Alex DeWall. And we're going to get in to Operation Starvation. And by use of that term, he doesn't speak of the 1945 U.S. Army Air Force's initiative under Admiral Chester Nimitz. This is a deliberate mass starvation under governments. And, and that is one of the messages, if not the main message, that I urgently ask all listeners to stand up for. And that's what I do. I strive week in, week out to bring on incredible guests, highly credentialed, to help you understand that you should not be sitting on the couch eating potato chips and watching your sporting event, which is such a comfortable place to be, isn't it? No, your country is disintegrating. And if you don't stand up, okay, I'm speaking to Americans, but global, this is a global issue here. If you don't stand up and do something about it and make a stand, you won't have anything to stand on. And literally in Miami, the rising water levels, <laughs> that could be a reality here very soon. Impeachmassmedia.com. Donate 50 bucks to the program. Get a very nice t-shirt, high-quality cotton. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. And uh, Periscope, you can watch me live. Watch me. We watch the, the video. I-E-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. This has been your weekly edition of Discussion of Truth. And until next week, be awesome. <laughs>